Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, what is going on? Welcome back to another lovely quarantined winning Wednesday here from Seattle. I'm your host, Chase Coleman, and I am pumped that you all are back today. It's been really fun for me, to be honest with you guys, working through quarantine and you know being able to do my, my normal job throughout the day and then being able to do this podcasting on the side. I wouldn't even call it on the side. It's, it's, a, it's another full-time job. And the reason that I really am enjoying it during quarantine, besides the fact that I get to give it a lot more focus right now, is the fact that I'm hearing from a lot more of you guys. You guys are reaching out. You're asking me questions. You're sending me feedback in every single topic of conversation, every single question, every single piece of feedback that I get. I truly appreciate that. So I wanted to say thank you guys to you to you all. And lastly, I just heard from Stetson University, again, my lovely alma mater, and I'll be giving a webinar here in about two weeks, which I'm really, really, really pumped about. We're going to be talking about landing your first job. As I've mentioned, I'm actually writing a book about landing your first job through my personal experiences, what I've learned, as well as just kind of like through what I've heard from my mentors. You know, when I was growing up, my mom always told us it takes a village. You'll never be able to accomplish anything just by yourself. You're always going to need other people's help, whether you believe it or not, or whether you want to admit to it or not. And the truth of the matter is that throughout my life, I've realized that it does take a village. I mean, seriously, getting my first job, I needed to have mentors, advocates, people who I had never talked to before helping me out to land that first job. And it came for internships as well. And I mean, it, it still holds true to this day. My last two roles that I've that I've had, they've been all because of relationships that I've built based off of re- relationships in corporate America or relationships that I've built with people that I've just met outside of work. And it's been pretty damn fun, to be honest with you guys. So I'm excited to give that webinar, excited to get my book out to y'all. I'm still working hard and fast on that. And just being super honest with y'all, this shit is tough, but we're going to knock it out and we're going to make it happen. So anyways, y'all, I have one super dope guest today. My man, Spencer Whitaker, who is working at Universal Entertainment right now, which is a very interesting place to work, especially during COVID, right? There's a lot of different companies that aren't doing things right now because they're shut down. There are a lot of companies who have to think of a lot of different innovative ways to stay afloat and then also continue to buck the trend of, or not buck the trend, but continue onwards of the trend that they've been having, right? Like think about Netflix, for example, so many damn people are watching Netflix right now. It's like, it's unreal. So I could only imagine what it's like at Universal Entertainment. But the reason I'm bringing Spence on is because not only did we play football together in college, but Spence has always been a hardworking guy that I know. And when it comes down to like time management and discipline, holy shit, this kid has it. And he's now going through law school while also working with Universal Entertainment. And I'll let Spence touch on that a little bit deeper. But guys, when it comes down to it, like, I even go to Spence when it comes to time management. I'm like, dude, you have more on your plate than I do right now. How do you handle this? Right. And Spence gives a really good perspective, not only onto how he does it personally, but how he could see other people doing it based on their own lives. Right. I think we all have our own routines. We all have our own different ways of, of working and ways of being efficient. And I love the way that Spence is able to break down the way that he's taken it and not only put it from his perspective, but to put it from other people's perspectives. So we're going to get into this interview, and I just want to give you guys a quick heads up. When we were recording the interview a couple weeks ago, I actually had a sinus infection. So excuse my my grungy-ish voice, um, 
But hey, I mean, it's a lot better than having coronavirus right now, at least. So I can't really complain about that, but did want to apologize to y'all up front because, shoot, having a sinus infection is no fun. And I'm sure you guys could only imagine recording with one is no fun. So let's get into this. Y'all, as I mentioned, Spencer and I have been best friends since college. This is my guy, my dude, the man. He sure as hell ain't a myth because he is a legend. Spencer Whitaker, thank you so much for joining us again, brother. Thank you again. Of course, man. Of course. I've been waiting on this day. All right, Spence. And now let's get into it. So as I mentioned, guys, Spence is working for Universal Entertainment and I'm really curious about your journey there. I mean, shoot, I got to live through it a little bit with you. But Spence, could you tell us just a little bit about your journey from playing football at Stetson all the way to, you know, working for Universal Entertainment now full time? Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of college, um, well, I guess even more early on when uh, when the football dream was over, uh, I was a junior and um, much like yourself, I think after our junior year, we both suffered a couple setbacks in terms of injuries and then uh, when that was over I actually started interning with the team because I knew that I always wanted to be in sports or entertainment um, specifically in the legal realm uh, but when it was over I created a couple of good mentors here at Stetson and that's one of the benefits of going to a small school is you kind of get that one-on-one hands-on um, and at that time my sports analytics teacher was actually um, you know the CMO of the magic so he put a nice little word in there for me and ended up getting me in with the Orlando Magic um, as an intern. So I did um, a year as an intern and then turned that into actually won this uh, organizational uh, Rising Star of the Year award over there and turned it into a full-time job where I did business development and new sales, um, specifically like tickets and suites and stuff like that for about two and a half years and um, got some really valuable experience there. But now that I'm actually – so rewind a little bit, I actually – once I went from being an intern to full-time, I started up law school as well. Um, now here I am in my third year of law school. Um, in the beginning of this third year, I decided it was time uh, to start getting more legal experience. And um, one of the benefits of being an evening legal student is that I've been able to work this whole time and get that relevant experience. Um, and so what I did was I ended up applying, you know, kind of looking around for what I thought the dream job would be in, in Orlando here. And uh, landed on a sports and entertainment gig here with Universal Creative um, and their legal team um, and ended up having a stellar interview. And now I'm on their Beijing project. Um, I started out as an intern and actually been there for five months. And the start of uh, this week here, I actually was promoted to a contract coordinator. Um, so pretty crazy. Um, that's how these things go, man. When, when something's meant to be, it, it ends up happening. And that's what happens when you work hard and you know your worth and um, it's been a fun process and I actually even got a little bit of experience here this week, kind of negotiating salary and then I think I'd have to do this early on, but it was, it was fun. So that's sweet, man. That's sweet. And thank you for the cliff note version. And I think we have a lot of fun topics to be able to talk about just based off of that. And my first question for you is you knew that you wanted to go to law school since before you even joined, you know, the football team, our freshman year, right? Mm-hmm. So when you were... So when you were thinking about, you know, interning with the team and then going to law school and then also having a job on top of that, did you do that purposefully? Were you like, you know what, I want to work and go to law school at the same time where 
a lot of people think like, I'm going to go to law school for two years, three years, whatever, you know, however long it takes. And then during those breaks, if you want to call it a break, summer break or winter break, I'm just going to work as an intern. But you took a different route where you were like, I'm going to prioritize working and prioritize school, but I'm just going to go to school in the evening time. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the things that, you know, you know better than anyone else too is you can't make up for that real job experience. Um, and I, I think for me, having that experience as a student athlete where you're basically working a full-time job unpaid um, and going to class all throughout the day and working with a pretty hectic schedule, we came pretty accustomed to how to manage time. And I figured when you know it came down to making this decision, I was ready to start making money now. And having that one year of, as an intern with the Magic showed me um, you know, kind of what that would be like. And, and the other, the other thing to that is I actually commute to work about an hour and 15 minutes every day. So, um, I, I end up having about a 15 hour day every day. And then I come home and have to find time to relax and get my mind off things. But to, to, to better answer your question, I think for me, it was just relying on that experience of having a, a stressful schedule where you have to manage things and, also knowing the value of, you know, getting that job experience now as opposed to pushing it off because at the end of the day, you know, you can have all the different credentials on your resume, but what gets you a job is your ability to interview and your ability to relate to people and, and to know the business structure. And I think for me, it came down to, I want to get this experience. I don't want to continue being a student and I want to start lining these pockets with a little bit of money. All the way. <laughs> I don't regret it one bit. It's It's been a heck of a three and a half years and I'm excited. I got another. I got another year and a half here. So um, once I'm done with this four years of law school, I'll be sitting down to take the bar, and maybe I'll even get to a little bit of a you know more realistic schedule because right now it's it's tough burning the candle all the time. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that, and I hear you because you know being a student athlete, we were up every morning at four thirty, four forty five. We had to be at practice at five fifteen, and then you practice till nine forty five. You have a ten o'clock class and then you got to go throughout your entire day where you have classes and then you go straight to meetings at four o'clock and then you have to lift at five o'clock like there's just so many different aspects to it that a lot of people don't even think about right and if you're like me and you don't have a perfect 4.0 GPA or if you're like 90% of the team you're in study hall from 7 to 11 and then you're like oh wait I can't have a social life because I got to go to bed because I got to be back up at 4 30 you know what I mean and I'd love to hear your perspective on juggling school and work, man. I mean, cause I think, I think doing it as a student athlete, when you're up and moving all the time, you just kind of get used to it. You get accustomed to it. And then you and I, we both stopped playing our last two years and we got, I mean, I got accustomed at least to a little bit of more like just relaxation time, chill time, being able to enjoy time to myself. But when I think about going back to get my MBA or things of that sort, the number one thing I think about is like, well, do I have enough time in the day? Absolutely, I have enough time in the day. I'm just going to have to sacrifice sleep or eating on a regimented schedule or whatever it may be. But over the last three and a half years, how have you been able to juggle school and work and still be able to remain on top of it while still getting promoted and also doing all the other things that have made you successful in your field today? Well, I think one of the things, you know, you, you often hear to, to do what you love and, and then you'll, you won't be working a day in your life. I think for me, um, to that sentiment, there's also knowing your strengths. And for me, um, and you can attest to this, I've always been, I've always been good at school for, for what it's worth. It's something that's come kind of easily to me. And I knew that I could play to my strengths um, and get through this. And I've actually 
you know, managed to, to, to scrap a 3.0 so far in law school. It's tough, but it's, it's knowing your strengths. It's knowing what you're good at and not stretching yourself too thin. Um, you know, law school is, is different. It's a different animal. You don't get many busy work assignments. You get one grade and, um, knowing that I'm, I'm confident in my test taking ability as well has been something that keeps the stress off of me. Um, but also, and, and I might've alluded to this a little bit earlier, also knowing that you have to find time for yourself in the schedule, because if you don't, you will wear yourself out quickly. And I haven't sacrificed my social life. I've, I may have sacrificed some of the trips that I've wanted to make with the boys and, you know, things of that nature, but I haven't sacrificed my social life because it's important. It's important for your mental health and it's important, you know, for, for your happiness throughout the day, waking up and ready to go. If, if I just continue along my schedule and I don't find time for myself to do something that I enjoy, um, you know, I wear myself out quickly. And I think I view, you know, the end of my day kind of like the, the me time. So I get home, I may have a little bit of reading to do for class and I may have, you know, a small assignment that I have to turn in, but finding that time, whether it be sitting down watching the end of a ball game or hopping on some video games with my friends just to decompress and, and, and find time to, to do something that I enjoy because this is my time. And, you know, granted it may hurt me on the back end because I stay up a little later than often, but uh, I think, you know, that me and you uh, tended to do that a little bit. We still were up and at it at, you know, at practice at five thirty. So it was, it's something that I've had some experience with in terms of this schedule, but um, I, I just wanted to play to my strengths. And I think, you know, knowing what I'd be capable of and, and also taking a chance to bet on myself too. And that's something I've continuously done throughout this process is know what I'm capable of and, and bet on myself to get it done. I love that. Absolutely love that. And I think you said some very important pieces in there, Spence. And I'd love to dive just a little bit deeper into like one little thing, because not many people get to be a student athlete going through college, right? It's a, it's a privilege. It's something that I take very seriously because we were lucky enough to be able to be student athletes at the division one level. And one thing that I always remember is walking into the locker room on whether it was Sunday or Monday and having our itinerary for the entire week, right? It was like, you got practice at this time. You got meetings at this time. You got lifts at this time. And if you're traveling, we're traveling on this time and you will be out of pocket, completely out of pocket for everyone. And I think working like and using like Outlook and, you know, different calendar apps have been really helpful to keep my nine to five on 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 schedule. Right. Because you kind of have to working with hundreds of people throughout the day. But for you, have you been able to find like a tool or anything of that sort where it's like, I'm going to stop working at five o'clock. I'm going to go to class from five 30 to nine. And then from nine to 10, I got my commute. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you use a calendar? Do you schedule it out? Or do you just kind of go on the fly and say like, these are my top priorities for the day, for the week, for the month. And this is how I'm going to attack it. I think for me, knowing, you know, what works for you, that there's a certain gratification in writing something down with, with your, you know, with a pencil or pen and then crossing it off when you've done it. So I've, I've always been a hard calendar guy. I've got one at my desk. That's just a, a monthly calendar. And then I've got a more detailed, like leather bound calendar that I carry around. And, um, there's just something to, when you could finally cross off a task for the day, that that's why I love writing things down. I use Outlook, of course, you know, like like most businesses do for you know my meetings and stuff like that. But I often end up translating those to a, a hardbound cal- calendar as well because I am very task oriented, and, and and this goes along to what I said earlier, playing to your strengths and knowing what works for you, knowing what you know continues to motivate you and, and organizes you. And for me, it's 
it's writing things down and crossing them off when they're done. Um, whether it be, you know, weeks, weeks out or months out or the day of, um, I have found that it really helps me to organize myself with, with a calendar and I'll actually do, I'll do a, a, a larger calendar in my room with just like daily objectives where it could be like, you know, just remembering that a couple of months out, I have this major, uh, you know, item to do. Yep. Um, but then I also work off of, you know, just like a, a leather bound one as well. And I've got the one at my desk. So it's, 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 sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming, but you know, there's true value in writing things down in terms of remembering them. And, and also like I've, you know, continuously said here is, is crossing them off when you've done, because, um, you should be proud in your work and that's what allows me to be proud and get something done. Yeah, no, I love that, man. Because one thing that I struggled with, and I think you, you know, this is like organization as I was coming out of college, I was like, I can keep everything straight in my head, but I miss things. I forget things. And it's because I wasn't writing them down. And it happened to me when I first started working at Starbucks and I was like, people would be like, Hey, when is this due? And I'd be like, uh, I thought you knew when it was due. Right. And then I realized that I had to be more on top of my game. I had to be a lot more detail oriented than I ever had to be in my life. And for me, writing things down was the only way that I was able to remember them or able to get some small wins in the day. I mean, we both have the same type of mindset where it's like, I want to win every day, win every hour, win every minute. And the only way that I was actually able to feel like I was winning was by writing down those checklists and then checking those boxes as you were going by. Right. And to your point, it could be super overwhelming at times when you look at all the things you need to get done in a matter of a day, a week, a month. But when you write it all down, you're able to look at it objectively and say, oh, these are some small things that I could do in the next 10 minutes. These are some small things I could do in the next hour. This is going to take me a little bit more time. I'm going to have to plan out my day to give myself three to four hours to crank this out or something of that sort. And like Absolutely. for someone as busy as you, for someone as busy as myself and all, I mean, all millennials out there are busy, right? We all have many multiple things going on besides just working full time. And I think it's super important that we utilize, whether it be a calendar or a checklist or something of that sort that you can actually physically put in front of yourself because of that, what you just said, it allows you to get the wins. It allows you to look at everything. And then it also allows you to have reminders for things that you need to do in the upcoming, you know, months, weeks, days, years, all that stuff like that. Right. But, but the, the key part is to find what works for you because some people may work better on a, on a digital platform like Outlook just because someone is telling you to go and find a calendar, don't necessarily think that what they do is going to work for you. It's, it's catering these type of things to yourself and knowing what puts you in the best position to be successful. Um, that is truly what I have found out during my time, you know, during working in an organization and also at school is knowing what is going to be the best tool for you to get to that next level. Um, and I think it, that that's one of the things that has been so valuable for me is getting the experience in both places and knowing, you know, what type of skills translate best for me in, in which role that I'm, I'm in at the time. Um, and I think, you know, it, the best note for people to hear is to find what works for you in terms of organization and in terms of anything else is knowing what works for you. Are you, are you task oriented and you want to cross things off or are you digital and you want to see a notification pop up on your phone? What's going to work best for you? Yeah, no, you're spot on. And there's so many tools to use nowadays, right? Like whether you want to be quote unquote, what we could call old school and write things down, you could go buy a binder, go buy a book, go buy, you know, a um, organizational thing that has paper in it from office max for $10, or you could go online and you could use your 
your outlook or you could use your dang iPhone. And like you said, have those notifications popped up. And the best thing that I've ever had is the fact that I could like merge my calendars. So that way I could get that notification. But I also know that I have to go back and refer to my notes because I like to keep everything written down and in front of me. But to your point, other people could most definitely be using and utilizing the internet. Like, shoot, my brother's 21 and he probably uses the internet in a more efficient way than I ever will. But that's just the way that they grew up versus how we grew up, right? <laughs> so, Spence, pivoting just a little bit, let's talk a little bit about your career, man, because I, I'm i a big fan. I think everything that you're doing is freaking awesome. Like, And honestly, seeing it from you know 3,000 miles away and knowing you very well personally, it's, it's impressive and it's also crazy. Right. Absolutely crazy. And... Right thinking about your time with the magic, right? You worked in ticket sales, you worked in sales. Can you tell us about like one, like your time with the magic and the benefits you saw come out of it? And then also kind of like the good, bad, and the ugly that you can share with us about working for a sports team. And one thing that I do want you to talk about a little bit, because I think this is really cool is how you navigated talking to the lawyers with the magic, right? Because you started in sales and then you went and now you're in legal and like now you're in law and yes, you are getting your, your JD and you're about to become, get a Juris Doctorate, my man, Dr. Spence coming up here soon. But at the same time, like you were very strategic about how you stayed within sports and how you went into the law, um, went into the sports and entertainment law industry. And that's where I'm like, super curious to hear about. So I think, you know, there is true value in networking. And I think one of the, one of the connotations that comes along with networking is people view it as almost like a task and and, and, it, and it, once it gets viewed in that sense it's easier to push something off i know me and you have gotten into this conversation recently about the value of just speaking to people and that's something that i did during my time with the magic and it was the reason that i wanted to get in and and, and work in sports before i started this career and this attempt to get in the sports and entertainment law industry um so with that being said you know, I managed to, you know, walk around and, and just talk to people, let people know that you're a real person and let people know that you have real aspirations. And so for me, it was a matter of walking down to our legal team and, and speaking to them early on as an intern, letting them know what my goals are, asking them, you know, if they have time to go out to lunch. And um, many times I went out and we, we would just talk about each other, not necessarily about careers, but, you know, individual things about each other. And I think for me, the, the most valuable thing I did was as an intern, I was able to work out with my supervisor working on a project with our legal team with the Magic. Um, it showed them my attention to detail. It showed them my diligence. Um, and it really led me to, to meeting one of my mentors. You know, um, my, One of my mentors today is, is Mike Arcieri. He's a director of basketball operations with the New York Knicks and a uh, great guy and, and really has shown me about his path. He ended up going back and getting his law degree when he was older and already in his career. And it was something that showed me, okay, what I'm doing is good. What I'm doing is right to take a year off from between undergrad and law school um, and, and go and get this experience because they often say the hardest part about working in sports is getting into sports. Absolutely. And, and, and it, it's a really, uh, it's a really niche industry because of, you know, how many people want to work in sports because you often think, whoa, well, I want to do what I love. How many people love sports? And um, that was the true benefit in me for me in terms of going to work in sports 
um, immediately and get that experience before I turned around and said, oh, I want to work in sports and entertainment law with no relevant experience, you know, no, no background, no connections in the industry. And that's something that you can't replace um, the people that I've met, the experience that I've made. Um, I put three and a half years into that industry and um, it, ter- it taught me a lot about the business and it taught me a lot about um, different cultures. And that's one of the things that I was really looking for when I went and took up this new role was I want to go experience a new culture, you know, coming from a, um, you know, a business development and inside sales type of position. Um, you learn a certain type of way you learn, um, to, to dress for the job that you want and not the job that you have. And that's something I learned there and, and, you know, flip back to the industry I'm in now, people show up in, in t-shirts and jeans every day. Difference of industries and a real difference of cultures and, you can't put a value to that, to experiencing different things. I know for you personally, there's there's definitely been uh, a difference in, you know, your time with Starbucks and your time with Nestle, you know, to now with Nordstrom. There's a difference in culture everywhere you go, and it's important to experience those. Um, and at the same time, if you want to achieve something, if you have a goal for yourself, it makes a lot of sense to go and experience different cultures on your way um, to, to a new position and, and to where you want to get. Um, That's a really good point. That's, and I'm just going to stop you real quickly because that's, that's such a good point that I haven't even really truly like thought too deeply about because when you experience co- different cultures, right, it's almost like traveling, you open your mind to a bunch of different things. When I think about, as you mentioned, like Starbucks to Nestle to Nordstrom, Starbucks is a very loose, very open culture. You dress how you want. Executives are walking in, they got on t-shirts and jeans and some, you know, some Yeezys on and you're like, oh, wow, like. I could be him or I could be her because like, that's how I want to dress. And I want to be comfortable every day when I show up to work. Then we think about Nestle and it's very business casual. I mean, I went to our um, corporate office out in Arlington and I was like, Oh wow. Everyone here is what I had a envisioning of business casual buttoned up shirts, slacks, shirts tucked in. You got on some nice dress shoes. And like, that was like the attire every day. And people were not as open to talking about, personal things within that culture. And that was just a very cultural thing. And I had to really quickly realize and learn that I couldn't be as open as I was at Starbucks as I was at Nestle. And then talk about the last like six months, I transitioned over to Nordstrom. And now I'm working with, I went from working with like 75% men to like 80% women. And you talk about like a huge cultural change. Like it was a big change from just going from Starbucks to Nestle and then back to retail and realizing that like one I have to be more fashion forward at work because everybody's fashion forward and everybody cares about what they're wearing right and that's just a cultural norm and then the second part is like I can still be my nice genuine like upbeat self that I couldn't necessarily be all the time at Nestle but I could show up every day as that person that I want to be and this is actually the type of environment that I thrive in the best so now after experiencing two different cultures, I finally have found the culture that I'm like, if I want to learn, grow and be a leader within corporate America, this is where I need to be, whether it be Nordstrom or another place. But the culture to me is the number one important thing. And when I think about going in and interviewing, not only are they interviewing you, but you're interviewing them because they got to make you an offer for you to be able to accept it and say, yes, I want to come work for you. And during my interviews, at least with Nordstrom, it was like, do you enjoy your job? Do you enjoy being here? What's it like working here? 
how do you guys' meetings go? Because I know that 90% of my day is going to be in meetings and a hundred percent of my day is going to be interacting with all of these people. So it's like figuring out the culture and how relevant it is to you. And once I realized that the culture was more, you know, me, Chase Coleman, it was an easy decision. And I think you just hit that right on the head where it's like experiencing different cultures is one going to open up your mind and two, just showcase to you, like, there's so many different jobs and different industries out there that if you're unhappy in your job today, or if you are happy in your job today, you might want to experience other things. So that way you can learn and realize what corporate America is about. And then lastly, like my last point is just the fact that I think it's fun, like figuring out what makes people tick, figuring out what makes people work, figuring out like how people get their work done and what works best for them is like the most fun part about corporate America outside of like all the politics that go along with it it's like yeah there's bad that comes along with it but shit all the figuring out how people work and how to get somebody to do something to me is like the most fun part about working right when you just you just led to something there too that you know a lot of people you know you hear a lot of talk about the politics that go into you know corporate america and i think the first thing that you need to realize if you want to work in 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 any type of corporate setting is there will be a certain aspect of politics to that and for you know young aspiring millennials like us i like to view that in a positive because there are so many things that i have learned and taken away from different scenarios that i've been put in that have helped me kind of groom myself to these different um you know these different traits that i view to be extremely beneficial for me um and one of those things that I know that you and I talked about a lot was what was knowing what to share with people that you work with and what to keep to yourself. And, and you made reference to that when you're talking about, you know, your difference in cultures is some places are very receptive to, to you hearing, um, you know, to, to you talking about the different things that you do and your different aspirations, whereas in other industries and in other offices, it may not be as well received. Um, so I think that, you know, for, for young aspiring millennials, the one thing you need to realize is that there are a lot of differences in culture and it's valuable to go and experience all of them and experience these different politics that come along with your industry um, and learn what, you know, makes certain offices different from the other. And um, I really think there's tremendous value in, you know, seeing different culture. And, and, and to that point, like I've mentioned to you several times is I've had to learn a lot about sharing you know, my aspirations with certain people I work with. And sometimes it may not have been as well received and viewed a certain way to, to, you know, to that industry. And, um, I'm thankful for those experiences because it has groomed me to be where I'm at today. And I still have a lot of room to grow, but I can tell you with full certainty that my ability to interview and my ability to just hold a conversation in the office, um, is at a level now where I never dreamed it would be already. Well, and so I wanted to switch gears a little bit, but I really like this topic and I'm going to stay on it real quickly because it's a soft skill. It is a hundred percent a soft skill that you need to be able to have if you want to be successful in corporate America. It's just a fact, right? And the one thing about politics that I would say coming out of college, I didn't realize was how it was going to slap me in the damn face, right? It hits you and you have no freaking idea that it's even coming. And Right. And, and, but the thing is everyone has their own separate agenda. And when I think about it, like I have my own separate agenda, right? I never thought about it that way because I thought that everybody was in it to win it. One team, one dream. We're all going to be in this together. But at the end of the day, like we go to work and my salary is not your salary. It's not the salary of the person next to me. Like 
we all make different money. We, <laughs> we all want different things out of our career. And when you share certain things with people, it could be perceived as a threat, right? My first job working at Starbucks, I remember telling my, my manager that I wanted to become a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And she was like, oh, that's so great, blah, blah, all these things like that. And we had a great relationship to start it off. And then I was going through some tough times. My mentor actually was the president of my business unit. So I went directly to him and we were talking about some things and I was having some problems with my manager and all this stuff like that. And he was more worried about me than he was anybody else because a part of his agenda was help Chase be groomed into the best corporate marketer that he could be. So he was trying to get me those experiences. So out of good faith, he went to go talk to my VP, who talked to my director, who talked to my manager, because I had no idea that it was going to trickle down like that. And the next thing you know, I have a meeting with with my manager. She calls me in for a quick one-on-one out of nowhere, and she's yelling at me. She's yelling at me. I am doing my best to set you up. I'm doing all this and that. And like tears are coming down her face. And I'm like, wait, what? Where did you get this from? And she opens up her notebook and says everything that I said verbatim. And now I'm caught. I'm not caught in a lie, right? I'm caught with truths that I said to someone that I trusted that I still trust to this day. But I had to learn very quickly that that was not the time and place to go talk to somebody was because my emotions were so high. I felt like I was getting these projects that were getting moved off of me. I felt like I was killing it. But at the same time, like I couldn't get shit passed through like all these different things. Right. And again, I was only like seven months into my job. So when you're that new into it, like, of course, you're not going to get too much accomplished. But at the same time, I felt like I was being, you know, duped by my manager. So I went to go talk to a mentor and it trickled down and it bit me in the ass. And then I realized when we were closing down all the Tivana stores, like, he, my, my mentor went above and beyond to make sure that I was taken care of. But at the same time, I couldn't share my career goals with some people because I knew that it was too aspirational for them. And I was perceived as a threat, especially because I had access to my president. And then I realized that at Nestle, something that was similar happened where I was working for a guy that great manager, great person overall, but he also perceived me as a threat because I had great relationships with my GMs and upper management and they also trusted the work I was doing. So I had to tiptoe my way around him while also bringing him into the loop because of politics, right? I was like, I have to make him look 10 times better than he actually is because I need to be able to perform and excel at the level that I can. But the only way I'm actually going to be able to do this is because, well, politics only allow me to get to a certain level as of right now. And I need to have him on my side if I want to be successful in this role. And these are things that you don't learn in school and you don't learn from somebody else telling you about their experience. You learn it through your own experience. And there's a fine line uh, between sharing too much and, and sharing, you know, enough to these type of supervisors. And it's not one that's a blanket statement that can be applied across the board. You have to learn it based on your company because your goal and your aspiration is somebody's current job. Not always, it's not always taken in the best way. And um, I'll tell you one thing. Um, I absolutely killed it during my time as a salesman with the Magic. Um, and there was always one thing that held me back from getting to the next level of my career. Um, and I think it's safe at this point to say that what held me back was my, my law school, was going to law school. And for, for the people that I worked with and, and worked under, knowing that I would be eventually taking my talents from sales 
back. And you know what? It's, it's, it's okay because there's a reason for everything. Everything happens for a reason in my life. And I truly believe that some of these awful times that I have been through have taught me so much. Um, and two and a half years of working as a salesman and constantly being the number one on the board and revenue in an industry dominated by the bottom line, two years and a half of, of, of that and never getting what I thought I deserved has taught me so much about, um, you know, sharing enough with your supervisor and sharing too much. If I could do it all over again, I don't know what I could have changed because communicating with my supervisor was something that I had to do about being in school because he helped work with my schedule. But at the same time, it, it held me back. And, um, I don't regret anything because it led me to meeting so many good people and I made some great money. And At the end of the day, um, these are experiences that I really do treasure because I learned a lot about the business. I dressed in a suit and tie every single day for two and a half years. Um, and a year before that as an intern and, um, it's valuable. And, and, and those politics are, um, truly, um, something that I learned a lot about. And I think I've applied it to my new job and, and, and it's put me in a position to, to get a promotion after five months to a position that, um, you know, when I first interviewed my boss, two people that I was interviewing with told me, we do not promote the interns. Typically you will run at your course. If you want to do a second term, you're able to do a second term, but we typically do not promote because we like to get people from experience from outside. Um, and I, and I did it and I got promoted within five months. It was, um, uh, it's, um, it's, it was really a blessing and it was really, um, you know, kind of a benefit of good timing, but, um, these are, these are experiences that I really held in high regard and, um, I'm thankful for experiencing all the different things that I have and I've learned so much. Yeah, man. And the one thing that I've at least learned in this whole political game is that you could still share your goals and aspirations. And, and the first part being like, you have to know who you're working with and for, right? Absolutely. If that person is very happy with where they're at, they don't want to continue growing in their career. They just want to be a director or a manager or right. a VP or whatever it is. They're probably more receptive to your goals because they're going to want to help you get to where, where you want to get to. Right. You got to gauge the temperature in the room man. you got to know who you got to know if you're speaking to the right person before you go and spill your guts and your aspirations. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And one thing that I've, I've implemented in my career and in my, yeah, I'd just say in my career is looking at my career holistically over a shorter period of time. So instead of going into these conversations and saying like, I want to be a CEO, it's like, well, what are you going to do over the next five years? It's going to get to you, get you to be a CEO. Right. So it's like, I want to learn and grow because these are the next three roles that I want to have or the next two roles that I want to have. And coming out of this podcast, I'm actually going to release a template that I've, I've put together that's helped me manage these conversations with my managers because it's like, Hey, this is where I'm at today. This is the skills that I have. These are the skill sets that I'm learning in this role today. This is why I see myself getting that promotion within the next six months to two years, right? I will have these skills. They will help me get into this next role. And then I'll be able to learn more in that next role and be able to get these other skills and things of that sort. And it makes it for more of an objective conversation because your manager then it's their job to help you grow and learn within your, your current role today. Right. So they're like, you're now not being perceived as a threat. You're now telling them, this is what I want to do. I need you to do your job. I need you to get me these experiences because I'm putting them in front of you. I've done the legwork to tell you exactly what I want to do. 
I took some time. Usually those exercises that I go through take me two days and it's like four hours at a time because shit, trying to think of what you want to do over the next five years is tough, right? For some people, like it's so easy to see that five year, 10 year, 20 year vision, but looking in a much shorter time frame and looking tactically is difficult. And being able to put that in front of your manager or your mentor or whoever and say, this is what I want to do, but I need you to help me gain these skills by giving me projects that are going to gain me these skills. And the best way to, and the best way to achieve those things is to show your value day in and day out. And I truly believe that's what helped me get this most recent promotion is they knew. And, and I, and I definitely leveraged this in my negotiating of my salary. It took a week and it was hard. I really had to bet on myself. And there were times where I wondered, am I pushing this agenda too hard right now? Um, but I knew my value and, and that's the best way to get these experiences and, and, and to and to achieve these different stepping stones that you may have for yourself and that you may make clear to your supervisor is to continue to show your value day in and day out because at the end of the day, letting you go would be worse for them to having to look for somebody else and, and, and that's how you know that you've earned value. Exactly. No, no, you're spot on. And I mean, think about it. Think about it from like a money perspective, right? Because every business at the end of the day is driven by money at the end of the day, like businesses are there. Yes. For social purposes, for all these different purposes. But at the end of the day, like money is what keeps them alive. And if a company or a business is willing to let you go, that means that they're willing to spend more money than they pay you today to go recruit, to have people come on campus and to hire and onboard somebody that essentially is now filling a gap. Right. And by showing up, improving your value day in and day out, say you're not the best person at the hard skills and you're learning it, but proving your value through your soft skills and being able to network and being nice. And I say being nice, like that's a, a big thing, but like being someone who's, who people enjoy working with is a skill. Likeable. You got to be likable in the workplace because at the end of the day, there's somebody out there that can probably do the j- same job that you're doing. That's just a nicer person to you if you walk around with a scowl on your face all the time, man. Exactly. People, I, I like to say I'm a ray of light for people walking into the office every day because when people see me, they're, they, they shine because they're like, Chase is going to say good morning. Chase is going to say hello. He's going to ask me about my day. He's not going to talk about business immediately. If I need to go talk to you about something, I'm going to start off the conversation by being like, hey, how are you? How are things going? How's your day going? Okay, you're having a shitty day. I'm going to ask you this question. It might suck, but we're going to have to embrace the suck right now. And then we're going to have to get this done. But at the same time, like I'm here for you. Right. And like that's a soft skill that I've I've had kind of like my entire life, just like intuitively. But I know a lot of people have to work on it and being able to work on your networking skills. Going back to your very first point, it's like. That's the number one skill that you need to be able to have within the, the workplace. I never would have got my job at Nordstrom if I didn't network at Starbucks. Like my current manager that I work for today, I worked with her in my first job. And then when we closed down the Tivana business, me and her both moved on to separate different parts of the business at Starbucks, which is fine. But I maintained that relationship. We met quarterly and then she moved down to San Diego and we still had conversations over the phone every um shoot is probably like every six months, but we just kept up with each other. And then when we, when she moved back to Seattle, she had an open position and she was like, I need you for this. And when I say like the interview process went smoothly, it was super easy. I had never been so well prepared for an interview because my manager prepared me. You know what I mean? Like she knew exactly what they were looking for and exactly what they needed. And she knew that I had exactly what they had. So she was trying to set me up for the best 
the, she was trying to set me up for success by helping me with the interviews. And all I had to do was show up and show out and be myself. And then when I got the job, I was like, this was one easy, but two perfect. Like it came at the right time. I, I believe in a God and a higher being. And I think that everything happens for a reason, just like you do. And I was like, I went through all these trials and tribulations to come out where the grass is greener. And now I'm working for someone who believes in me and wants me to become the next CEO of a, of a fortune 500 company. And now I'm working for someone who believes in everything that I'm doing and doesn't quadruple check my work because she knows that what I'm putting in front of her is good thought through work. And if I don't have good thought through work, I'm now confident enough to tell her like, Hey, I didn't spend nearly as much time on this as I wanted to. There might be some gaps in it, but let's at least talk about what we have right now. And then I'll go back and I'll fix it and I'll make it better for today. But can you give me an extra couple hours? And she's willing to do that. Right. And I think, you know, you're in the right spot for yourself when you can believe that you were hired to be in this position and that they trust your work product. And that's been a, a big difference for me is knowing now that they trust the work I'm putting in front of them. And I don't feel that as if I'm being micromanaged on this work that I'm doing because they hired me full well knowing that I can do what is being asked of me. And, um, it's been a real, it's been a real tall tale sign for me to kind of see, you know, um, what it's like to feel, to feel trusted, to feel trusted in, in, in my, in my goals, um, and to be trusted in terms of my work product. And it's, it's been, it's been, um, it's been a growing process. And, and this is something that I really can't put a value on. And, um, at the same time, you mentioned about your interview being smooth and having expectations for your interview. Interviewing is an art. And once you learn that art, you will find yourself in a position where you know you can crush every interview. And um, like I was telling you earlier, I, I put one application out when I was with the Magic and looking for a change to get in law. I looked up sports and entertainment laws in Orlando, found the internship with Universal Creative, and applied. I interviewed in person immediately and got the job 15 minutes after I left. They called me and offered me. And it was something that I knew I could attribute to my preparation for that interview. I did the right things and it's an art. And once you learn that and once you get this experience and, and, and failing in interviews, you'll, you'll know that, you know, I have really refined this hard skill to being able to, you know, to, to interview and know that I can get the job wherever I go and interview. I, I love that. And, you know, we only have a, a couple minutes left here. And one last topic I want to touch on was just like that trust aspect you talked about. There's, there's so much that goes on with that trust aspect. Right. And like for me over the last call it three years, like I was living in a place of like anxiety going to work where I was sweating all the time. Like I didn't, I knew I was doing good work, but I didn't fully trust it because I was not fully trusted by my managers. And you have to, you do have to prove to them that they could trust you. Right. Like, you walk in on day one, they're not going to immediately trust you, especially if they don't know you, if they only met you through an interview. But building that trust is something that is so valuable. And I think that you get the best work out of people when you actually trust them the most. And the fact that you were able to go into this feeling trusted too is like, that's a huge win. You know what I mean? And like, you work 10 times harder, like you do everything, not only because you know, it's best for the business and it's best for yourself, but you're like, shit, I'm good at this. I, I am good. And I'm about to kill this. And I'm about to show everybody that I'm about to kill this. And this is why, because everything that I'm putting down here on as a product is going to, it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, we're going to have good conversations about it and we're going to make it work. But I know that I, what I'm putting down right now is trusted by me. It's trusted by my managers and it's trusted by everyone else in this damn business because 
I was here to do this. And um, you brought me in for a reason. You brought me in to do a job. Um, and I know, I, and I've seen it before that you can trust my work. And, um, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier and it's, it's been, uh, it's been something that I've said, I've said to myself over and over again, and, and that's betting on yourself. You bet on yourself to take a chance and, and change industries entirely. Um, and, you know, I really, I, I knew my value and I trusted my work product enough to, to bet on myself and go to bat against the compensation department with, you know, Universal Creative and we're owned by Comcast and, and, and NBC. Um, and it was tough. It was challenging. And there were times where I doubted, am I doing the right thing here by pushing back harder and knowing my value? And um, there's, there's really, you know, tremendous value in, 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 in betting on yourself because that allows you to trust your product that you do day in and day out. And, uh, it makes for a really, you know, more enjoyable time. I'll tell you, my days, my work days fly these days or I'm doing work that I enjoy and I'm around people that I like and, um, you know, I'm confident in my abilities. They, they fly. They really do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my one last question for you, Spence, we got to, we got to end here, but I am going to bring you back on because I think we had really good conversation today and I, I'm not going to have this in the podcast, but like this shit was good. Like I need, I need to have you back. Um, but pivoting real quickly, if there's like three to five tips that you could give just college students, graduating young professionals, young adults, what would those tips, whether it be in life in law school and, and, and through all of your experience, just three to five tips that you would give anybody if you met them in an elevator. So I think, um, number one, you may have heard this before, but know your why, Know your why. Know why you're doing this. Know why you're putting yourself through the, the rigor that you are. Um, someone asked me at my at, when I was with the Magic, you know, what is your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? And, and it's simply, I want to be great. And I told them, I don't know what that means, and I don't know what it means to be great, but I'll know when I when I get there. Yep. I'll, I'll know I've achieved this when I get there. Um, and, and, and number two, I would say, don't be afraid of the word networking. I think we've built it out to be something that it's not. When I hear networking, sometimes I giggle because it's like, it's just talking to people. It's just making people your friend. It's, 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 it's allowing people the chance to talk about themselves because everyone likes to talk about themselves. Um, and, and number three, the, 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 my, my third and final tip is you've got another level in you to go harder. You are not going as hard as you can. And I think there are a lot of people that can still say that. I would say majority of people, you have another level. Kick this thing up another gear. You can go a little bit harder. Um, you don't realize there are a lot of people that are like, dude, how do you how do you work this schedule when you're not worn out? I am worn out, but I could still go harder. Um, you always got another notch in you. Um, you know, you you were you were meant to be great. You've experienced everything that you have for a reason. So so kick it up another notch. You can go another year harder. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is like the professional student athlete way of looking at life, right? Like, you know what? I had four picks last game. I could have five next game. I set the NFL record for passing yards. I could throw more. Like, it's it's a mind over matter thing, right? And I think... Oh, it is. Sometimes you just have to shut it off and you got to just do it. And there's... I mean, you know me better than a lot of people, man. I am not a morning guy. If I sit down and I start thinking about my tasks for the day, if I start thinking, oh, boy, I'm in class until 9 today, it's easy to psych yourself out. There's a certain aspect of just shut off your brain and go and do it. Yeah. You can go harder, but if you allow yourself to get caught up in all of the different steps throughout the day and how long of a day it's going to be and all the things you've got to get done, it's easy to psych yourself out. Absolutely. And my last thing that I'll say – 
because that's one thing that I've gone through pretty consistently is just the fact that like I've psyched myself out and I become lazy about things or things of that sort where it's like, I don't need to do it today or whatever, but putting your phone on do not disturb is the best thing that ever happened to me. Best thing, not putting periodic times where I'll check my phone. I'm like, you know what? I'm not checking my phone till lunch. I'm not because it will distract me. It's going to get me on Instagram. It's going to get me on Twitter. I'm going to start looking at different things. Like I'm not, I'm going to be, want to do anything but be here. And what do I need to do right now? I need to live in the present. So you know what? DND baby. It's easy to get caught up in the, in the app scrolling too. You go from one app to the other, to the other. And, um, I found that there's a lot more useful, you know, uh, things that I could be doing with my time than, than scrolling. And, um, there are a lot of issues in the workplace with people looking at their phones now and not just with people our age, but people that are older too. So put down the damn phones. Please. <laughs> it's literally like your computer at your, at your pocket. Right. And when you think of it that way, like you put your computer away all the time, you go to meetings and, and you open up your computer to either take notes or to reference things. But other than that, like you shouldn't be emailing, you shouldn't be texting, like you shouldn't be doing all that stuff. Cause you have to be present in the moment. Put your shit away and just start focusing because when you think about the bigger picture, Instagram is not going to make me famous today. Look around at the room. You, I bet you could, uh, you could probably identify the people that are going to be looking at their phones during the meeting. Absolutely. Right. And it's like, if I think about being in the present and I do what's best for me right now, it will behoove me in the future. And Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff like that is good for, hmm, uh, when I'm on my couch, not doing shit. Right. And even then, I'm sure there is a better use. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, Spence, man, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm, you know, me and you can have these combos all day, every day. So thank you again, man. This was, this was a blast. I'm extremely proud of you, brother. Keep, keep working as hard as you are, man. And, uh, please keep putting out this content that you're doing with, I know all of us enjoy it. And, um, you're on your way to greatness, man. Just keep working as hard as you are. Like I said, I'm extremely proud of you. I appreciate it, bro. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore millennial way. And check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next Winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is The Millennial Way, tailoring the next generation of leaders.